live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for dialing us up after our home teams went 3-1. and one. LSU with a just get out of the gate in a hurry, dispose of Southern University quickly, a 65-17 win. The Cages needed some help from Lightning. They get, got to go back in the locker room, figure out what the heck they were doing. And they came out with a resolving 49-21 come-from-behind win over Eastern Michigan. I don't know if McNeese even showed up playing a bad Rice team. They got blown out 52-10. to Woo! Bad news in Lake Chuck. And the Saints, wow. (laughs) All I can say is, wow. We'll discuss all of these and much, much more today. As we welcome you in, I'm here, Jordy Heldberg, Studio 1A. My main man, James Mesh, back in the Master Control Suite in the Game Studios, which are the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 FM in Lake Charles. We are streaming Around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, pop on your television set because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. Atlanta, led by 16 points, was dominating the New Orleans Saints in every way possible, whipping the Saints in the trenches, playing with more energy, more creativity. They were hungrier. They were better coached. I mean, did you think of any reason how the Saints would possibly change things in the final 15 minutes? Well, somehow. I don't know how, but out of nowhere, Something started to click for the Saints. And then they went from unwatchable to unstoppable. Atlanta started to play conservatively. The Saints found their rhythm. They found their confidence. They reeled off 17 unanswered points, made every important play when it mattered. And 28-3 to uh, became 26-10 is the new 28-3. to It couldn't happen to a better group than the not so hot Atlanta Falcons. We'll uh, talk about this with Chris Roseville-Glue coming up here shortly. LSU took care of their business, uh, did what they had to do, and destroyed Southern University. It was a joyous celebration all week long. It was a long overdue football game between the crosstown schools. But all that goodwill and all that hoorah-rah and all that stuff ended at the kickoff, and I mean right at the kickoff. Um, opening kickoff, LSU goes down the field, um, strips, recovers the ball. Xavier Carter smacked it out of Reginald King's hands on the opening kickoff, forced a fumble. Sage Ryan recovered at the Jaguar 21 for one of five turnovers claimed. Three plays later, the route was on. Jaden Daniels scrambled 18 yards for the first 
of nine LSU touchdowns. LSU led 37-zip after one. They led 51-zip at the half. And then it was just time to get everybody in and involved. That's behind. Now the toughest test of the season, the Mississippi State Bulldogs come to town, fresh off of a win out west against Arizona. Mike Leach's club is now 2-0. and And we'll talk to uh, Glenn West about the LSU Tiger situation. They made some changes at the offensive line. Um, and uh, they made some changes in the kicking game trying to correct their debacle from Florida State, but now the biggest test of all. Um, the Raging Cajuns were winners as well. Corey Diaz will join us in hour number two uh, to talk about that, what jump started there, because they were floundering. They had no rhythm. They had nothing. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't catch it. They couldn't run it. Nothing was working, and then the lightning delay and zoom a blitzkrieg, 49-21. to 21. Jim Gazzolo of the American Press will try to explain uh, what happened to McNeese. They get to finally come back home. They take on Alcorn State. Uh, could be a good opportunity for a win for them. And then Blake Rafino will join us, and uh, we'll go over more about the LSU Tigers. What a week, two it was. How about Georgia Southern upsetting Nebraska 45 to 42? Here's a stat for you. Prior to Saturday's game, Nebraska was 214 and 0. 214 and 0 when scoring at least 35 points out on their home stadium's turf, Memorial Stadium. Well, that record now stands at 214 and 1. Georgia Southern's offense had 642 total yards. Quarterback Kyle Van Trees was responsible for 409 of them. Shortly thereafter, Scott Frost shown the door. He is fired. Here's the here's the kicker. If they had waited till October, how bad did they want to get rid of Scott Frost? If they had waited till October 1st, his buyout would have been cut in half. So now Scott Frost will get $15 million not to coach Nebraska. 15 million. Huh. I wonder if he, if Ed Orgeron's calling him today saying, when do you want me to leave and which door do you want me to go out of? Oh, hail, hail to the Sun Belt. App State 17, number six, Texas A&M 14. They've had a history of taking down top 10 teams and they did it again on Saturday. App State forced two turnovers against A&M, held them to under 200 yards of total offense. Ah, the Mountaineers join Marshall as the second Sunbelt Conference team to defeat an AP Top 10 squad because the Thundering Herd took care of Notre Dame 26-21. to Wow, their defense forced three Notre Dame turnovers, two coming in the fourth quarter. It was the second time the Thundering Herd knocked off an AP Top 10 team. The last time was 2006 against then number six, Kansas State. How about them thundering herds? Yes, indeed. A week of uh, college upset. It was it was uh, crazy in Austin, but Alabama held on for that win. And because of that closeness of the win, there's a new AP top team in the country, and that happens to be the Georgia Bulldogs. Yes, indeed. Um, 
Wake Forest ended Vandy's two-game winning streak. Tennessee got a big win on the road, 34-27 at Pitt. That was uh, that was some kind of a good one. Um, Kentucky went into the swamp. Anthony Richardson, who? Uh, well, they, they took care of their business and got rid of the Gators 26-16. to So um, another good week by uh, the SEC, and we'll delve into all of that here uh, shortly. Um, what a week one it was in, in the NFL. Um, what not only did the Saints win, but Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers upset Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe had five turnovers. That was one of the reasons the Bengals lost. But what about Zach Taylor's late-game decision-making? Why didn't he challenge what was an obvious touchdown after Jamar Chase reception was ruled out of bounds at the one-yard line? He also gave the Steelers 15 extra seconds to work with on their final possession of overtime after not letting the clock run down on a Bengals punt. It would only have been a delay a game there, uh, and it would have cost roughly 40 seconds to work with on their final drive. So big loser there. Big loser for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, uh, expected to miss six to eight weeks. Um, He's undergoing surgery today after injuring his thumb against the Buccaneers. He went to pass it. Helmet of the defender hit his thumb, and he's done. Bad, bad news there. Uh, T.J. Watt could miss some serious time for the Steelers. Uh, they think it's a, a torn pec muscle, which would likely keep Watt out for multiple, multiple months. Um, Tom Brady looked pretty good to me. I don't know what you think. Uh, but who didn't look good were the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan might already be regretting his decision to start Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49er offense struggled. Lance was a disaster in crunch time, going just four for 13 for 41 yards and an interception in the fourth quarter. Winner, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Basically unstoppable. Kansas City gets the win over the Cardinals. Mahomes is 5-0 in week one. The Chiefs have averaged nearly 38 points per game in those wins. He was clearly terrific, and he clearly doesn't seem to be missing Tyreek Hill. And you got to give, if they had the Coach of the Year award to give out after week one, it would go to Brian Dabble in his first game as the New York Giants coach. He took a huge gamble by going for two following a New York touchdown with under 70 seconds left to play. And he looked like a genius after Saquon Barkley was able to punch the ball in for the game-winning score. How about that? Game-winning points. So what a great week it was, um, week one of the NFL. But it's not over with. You know, it's not. We got got another one tonight as uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos travel back to Seattle to close out week one. And then we'll get ready for week two, starting with Thursday night football. So you can get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on LA or Kansas City to win, 
If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only, bonuses issued as free bets, one early win token issued at opt-in, money line bets only, deposit and wagering restrictions apply, eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Um, other things happening around the world, uh, Albert Pujols, man, one of my, one of my favorite, one of my favorites. Um, he has just been on fire for the St. Louis Cardinals as he continues his quest for career home run number 700. Well, uh, he hit number 697 yesterday to uh, overtake A-Rod for career home runs, and uh, then he gave the ball to a Pirates fan. So Albert Pujols making some history Man, I hope he gets to um, to 700. I hope he does. And at the U.S. Open, uh, what a great, great um, tennis match. And what a story it was for uh, the Spaniard who just was tremendous, tremendous. Um, Alcaraz beat Rude 6-4, 2-6, 7-6, 6-3 becoming the youngest the youngest open men's single title champion at 19 years young 19 that's just crazy he's got such a future and speed quickness uh racket control he is a absolute great great player so congratulations to Carlos Alcaraz the US men's tennis champion on a absolutely scintillating performance. Those are your headlines of the day. We'll take our first break of the day. When we come back, Chris Roseverglue will talk about what in the Sam Hill happened to Jameis Winston, Michael Thomas, and the rest of the New Orleans Saints. A dramatic comeback in Atlanta, 27-26. Doesn't matter how you did it, just so you do it. The Saints are 1-0, facing Tampa Tom next Sunday in Caesar Superdome. We'll be right back. The Jordy Helper Show in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Tigers and the Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Oh, we're back uh, 19 minutes after the hour as we roll on on this Monday afternoon quarterback session of the Jordy Helper Show. As bad as the Saints were for three quarters, that's how great they were in the fourth quarter to take a defeat. And uh, change it over to a victory. Chris Roseverglue is our Saints expert. He's kind enough to join us. Man, Chris, what what happened? How how'd they turn this thing around, man? And thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I wish I could, you know, perfectly explain what happened. But as you said, everything that went wrong in the first three quarters started going right in the fourth quarter. The whole game plan changed. I mean. It went from run, run, pass to them just letting Jameis Winston air it out with the yeah. last 12 minutes and change, and he was magnificent. And, and the crazy part about it was a lot of people thought it was as quick of a fix in terms of, hey, if the O-line starts blocking, Jameis Winston will start making passes downfield. But 
there are a couple of throws he made, particularly the one to Jarvis Landry in the huh. final drive of the game that set them up that he was under pressure. So, I, yeah. I mean, it just really seemed like Winston and the playmakers on the offensive end on the outside just really got it going. To your point, Winston uh, was, was tremendous. 13 of 16 for 213 yards and two touchdowns in the final period. And not, We're not talking about for the game. Just in that final period, he was terrific. And I don't know if I've seen, I mean, that Jarvis Landry 40-yard sideline reception between two Falcon defenders, uh, that's about as good as it gets. No, it is. And you talked about his fourth quarter stats for Jameis Winston. Three incompletions. Two of them were, were him spiking the football. So really yes, one true right. incompletion late in the fourth quarter, which is just incredible. And the Jarvis Landry play, when you think of Jarvis Landry, you think of plays in the slot, you think of plays over the middle of the field. You don't think of a you know a 40-plus yard pass downfield that gets you in field goal range with the game on the line. But that's exactly what happened. I can't say for sure what Casey Hayward was doing in coverage. He kind of left yeah. that opening and you know, those next-gen next stats, sometimes they're a little off, but the success rate Jameis Winston would have had of completing that pass, it was around 19%. So for them to convert that, get down the field, and end up scoring wow. uh, against all odds, it was really incredible. Uh, Michael Thomas stepped up. He looked, I mean, that back shoulder throw for a touchdown doesn't get any better than that. So maybe there was a little rust early on, but in the fourth quarter, when it was win time, those Winston to uh, – to Thomas sure looked good to me. It looked great. And, you know, when it comes to Michael Thomas and what happened production-wise throughout that game, you know, there were some Saints fans, you know, asking me, hey, is, does he look rusty? What's the deal? I thought he was getting open frequently. I just think with the amount of times that, that Jameis Winston was under pressure, it was hard for them to get that connection going, and uh, especially in the first half. I, I thought Michael Thomas over the middle of the field, he had multiple opportunities. The ball just didn't get his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once those targets started coming his way, we saw him put up those numbers, and he looked as good as he has. I'd say since we saw that great season of him in 2019, he looked dominant against one of the better corners in the league in A.J. Terrell. And Michael Thomas just gets that look in his eye at some point in the game. And after he had that first touchdown in the fourth quarter, you could just tell that he was all in, ready to go. And yeah. from there on that out, he just tormented that Falcons defense. And I think once he got going, it really opened up everything else for the Saints. So we already see how impactful he is. Before the season no started, I said if the Saints have a healthy Michael Thomas, and he's playing like he did back then, I think you have to add at least one more win to their win total. If he looks like he did yesterday, I'm going to stay true to that word. Yeah, I'm with you. Chris Rosenblum, well said. Uh, On a weekend when when field goal kicking uh, was in the spotlight, I'm just so confident of Will Lutz. He drilled the game-winning 51-yard field goal in the final minute after the Jarvis Landry uh, reception. He's just like money in the bank to me. He really is, especially late in the game. And the funny thing about it was he missed a field goal earlier, and maybe people will be like, I don't know if you trust him for 51. Um, I can't speak for everyone, but for me watching, there was no doubt in my mind he was going to make that kick. He's yeah. done it time and time again. And, you know, we talked about it all of last year, how the Saints kind of had a revolving door at kicker because of what's going down. And, you know, you could never really trust that part of their game. And now it's just a huge luxury knowing late in situations, just get in field goal range, give Will Lutz a chance, and it'll make things happen, which he absolutely did. So, Huge confidence builder for the team, huge confidence builder for the special teams. And if you're Will Lutz, there's got to be no doubt in your mind that you're all the way back making that 51-yarder for the win. I'm with you. Uh, Chris, we talked about the offense. We talked about special teams. The defense had Atlanta to a field goal on four fourth-quarter possessions. So whatever was uh, the problems issued early on, 
Um, they rectified that. I don't like the Marshawn Lattimore um, extracurricular play that 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 gave him 15 yards and and gave them the attempt for a coup 63 yard field goal attempt. But but other than that, um, defense stepped up as well. Yeah, the defense did their thing when they needed to, and and that's important, obviously, especially for a team like the Saints with playoff aspirations. They're going to need to make stops when it matters most, and they did that. And I think overall. You know, I, I thought Marcus May had moments where he flashed. I thought Pete Werner looked outstanding, um, yeah. you know, in his second year. And when it comes to the Lattimore thing, you know, it's easy to kind of sweep that under the rug when they win the game. But it's a great point because had, you know, Young Way Koo made that field goal, all of a sudden you're looking at, hey, does that penalty cost you a win? So yeah. um, it was concerning. But like you said, the defense tightened up when they had to. And the run defense, as bad as it was through the first three quarters, late in the game, third and one, Fumbled snap, Mariota doesn't get there, and um, you know they, they clamped up when they had to, and that's what you want to see. Yeah, the uh, the Falcons just find a way to choke. They just do. Um, but look, early on, the Saints were getting whipped in the trenches. Uh, they looked like they were out coached. They the Saints looked very conservative, very old school offensively. Um, I I, I got to be honest. I thought, well, this is this is a terrible debut for Dennis Allen and. I mean, I had no no thoughts whatsoever that that team would come back like they did. I just didn't. I didn't either. I was ready, you know, I'm getting ready to do a podcast and then thinking about what we're going to talk about Monday and Tuesday following. I'm, I'm going, I'm like, all right, I'm getting ready to talk about a loss and how they have so many things to correct. And then all of a sudden you start scratching your notes a little bit because they just made that complete 180. And now the question mark is, do we see them build off what they did in the last 12 minutes? I think offensively they can because I think now if you're Pete Carmichael, you saw what worked and you kind of implement that to your next game plan. Uh, defensively, it wasn't great. I'm still concerned about the, what they gave up in the run game, but I yeah. think that the pass, you know, the pass rush will get better. I don't think we'll have another game where you see Davenport, Cam Jordan, and all of them completely quiet. And then I think from you know, the secondary perspective, once Paulson Adebo comes back, that lets Bradley Roby go into the slot. I think that will benefit them a lot. So I think, I'm, if anything, the thing I'm still concerned about is, A, how are you protecting Jameis Winston, and, B, how are you stopping the run? But I think there are a lot of positives here that will carry over to Week 2. Uh, next Week 2 is the Tampa Bay Bucks in Caesar Superdome. It's a 12-noon kickoff. The Bucks lost two key players last night, and Chris Godwin with a hamstring and Donovan Smith with an elbow. They were both ruled out of the game due to their injuries. I don't know how serious they are. I don't know if they're going to be able to play this weekend, but that's two pretty significant players, a starting left tackle and one of your leading receivers offensively. So um, maybe maybe the Saints will catch a break there. You know, as far as Godwin's injury is concerned, it seems like they will catch a break there. Um, you know, there's been reports from NFL Network's Tom Pelissero that Godwin could miss multiple weeks, and when you hear that, that doesn't bode well, obviously, for his status uh, on Sunday against the Saints. So I would expect him to miss that game. A hamstring injury is no, you know, no joke, especially after coming back from an ACL surgery, and right. they got to be careful with him. So I, I expect him at this point to most likely miss that Saints game. Donovan Smith's still on the fence, but let's say he were to miss that game. That means Tom Brady would be going in with four different starters compared to last year's offensive line. There would be no Kappa, no Donovan Smith, no Ali Marpet, no Ryan Jensen. So if there is a get-right game for this defensive line to make an impact, maybe it could be against Tom Brady in the box. And as uh, Sean Payton has always said, this team knows they can beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're not scared of them. And uh, 
So that, that'll be interesting. Um, there were so many heroes in the game. Dennis Allen said he'd given everybody on the team a game ball. But if you could only give one, who would you give it to? You know, I, I think I would still give it to Michael Thomas a lot. You know, part of me really wants to give it to Jameis Winston as well because, you know, I thought the last 12 minutes was the best he's ever played in the NFL. And Jameis Winston's had some really good moments with the Bucks, but that was the best I've ever seen him play. Me but too. I'm going to say Michael Thomas because I think Michael Thomas's demeanor on the sideline, it just inspired the whole team. You see a guy that that's bought, that bought in and how much that game means to him. And as soon as he got everything going, everyone built off that. Jarvis Landry started making plays. Chris Olave started making plays. Juwan Johnson started making plays. And there's a video on the sideline of you know the Saints getting into field goal position and, and Michael Thomas going up to Will Lutz and being like, you got to make this kick. And I think we're seeing a little bit of a leadership role for Michael Thomas, too, which would be you know, a huge 180 off of the, the stories that we heard last year and concerns about whether or not he'd still be in New Orleans. So I would give it to him. You know, For him to come back and play the way he did after missing a couple weeks of practice, yeah. it, it was really inspiring. That was terrific. Um, Dennis Allen said it best, and he summed up my feelings exactly. I hope they're all not like this one because I don't know if I could handle it, my friend. I just don't think I could. Oh, I, I know I can't, Jordy. If we have to do this for 17 weeks, it's going to be a, a very long fall. All right, Chris. Um, thank you so much. You have a great podcast, as always, and uh, we appreciate your time each and every Monday. You are terrific. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me, Jordy. All right, Chris Rose for glue with us. Uh, yes, the first week of the NFL season wraps up tonight with Monday Night Football. Russell Wilson faces off against his old team with the Denver Broncos take on the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, Russell Wilson's not very happy with Pete Carroll. He's, he wants to show the world. He wants to show the world that he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league. Well, you can listen to all the action live here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Pre-game starts at 7, kickoff 7.30. Monday Night Football, Joe Buck. Well, that's on the TV side. Anyway, uh, right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We do see new announcers on television, though. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman move into Monday Night Football. Anyway, I will take a quick timeout when we come back. The Tigers, no problem with Southern. But here comes Mike Leach and them Bulldogs. We'll talk about that. Glenn West next here on the Jordy Heldberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 35 minutes after the hour. LSU with a very comfortable 65-17 win over Southern University. Uh, Great halftime show. Great crowd. Uh, But now it's time to move on to serious business as Mississippi State comes to town. The Bulldogs of Mike Leach are 2-0. They got a win out West late night over Arizona. And I don't know when the last time, if ever, if ever that Mississippi state comes to tiger stadium as a favorite. I don't know. Glenn West go two four seven sports kind enough to join us. Big Glenn. How are you? My friend. I'm doing great. Jordy. How are you? I am terrific. Um, let's see. Kayshawn booty got involved early. Uh, he was targeted five times, caught all five. Um, had a nice little reverse. So it was obvious they wanted to keep him um, involved, make him feel like he was uh, important and special. They went to him early and often. I like that. 
Yeah, I, I like that too. And I think that the fact that they're able to do that while also spreading the ball around to uh, really a, a number of players. I mean, uh, they were able to get the run game going this last weekend. You had Armani Goodwin, who I thought had a really nice day. Um, you know, Chris Hilton, uh, Jack Besh, Brian mm-hmm. Thomas, they all got their touches. And I think that's probably uh, the, the optimal, it's the ideal scenario for LSU is to get all these guys involved somehow. Um, and obviously, Kayshawn is going to be a huge part of that moving forward this season. And I think just getting his feet wet a little bit more than in that Florida State game uh, uh, puts his mind at ease. I think it puts LSU's minds at ease yeah. a little bit more. And uh, now you really shift here into a really difficult part of their season with uh, Mississippi State uh, starting uh, on Saturday. Uh, Glenn, there was a lot of shuffling all the offensive line. Let me see if I can get this right. Uh, Charles Turner moved to center moving former center Garrett Dellinger to left guard, former left guard Miles Frazier moved to right tackle, sending Cam Wire to the bench. Uh, the only two that kept their positions, Will Campbell at left tackle, Anthony Bradford at right guard. I understand the competition you're playing against, but from a communication standpoint, from a rhythm standpoint, what did you think? Yeah, much better. I mean, I think, you know, you, uh, we, we saw what we wanted to see, I think, in terms of the communication, in terms of the the effort there across the line. I think Brian Kelly even talked talk to us today about uh, just just having that as the consistent rotation moving forward. I think they feel comfortable with that. Uh, you know, they, they like the physicality. Uh, they like the big bodiedness of Miles Frazier at that right tackle spot. Mm-hmm. Um, they like the the kind of the senior – veteran savvy presence that Charles Turner brings to the center position. And uh, Dellinger is a, is a pretty physical athlete and a guy who can move around a lot in the inside as well. So they like the moves they made would expect them to continue that here against Mississippi state. Uh, but they also really like Emory Jones. They thought Emory Jones had some really nice moments, true freshman. Um, so they're, they're, they're still going to rotate in some guys. Okay. Um, but I think that they kind of have a, and a more of an idea now after two weeks of what this is going to look like moving forward. Glenn West go two four seven. Um, special teams bounce back. They had a, a forced fumble on the opening kickoff. They had a safety on a block punt. All seven first half extra points were good, and all punt returns were clean. Uh, with Gregory Clayton Jr. a walk on from New Orleans. Yeah, I think he's going to keep his gig. Uh, I would imagine so. I mean, I, I think you probably have to stick with the guy that was giving you the, the consistent production there. Um, that That's one of the big things I wanted to see because you really weren't going to get any big takeaways from this matchup. But yeah. you wanted to see the special teams play clean, uh, not have any mistakes. And I thought, you know, all those all those aspects were pretty good in terms of, of special teams. You know, they, they didn't have any mistakes. They did what they were supposed to do. Um, and now you, you you try to put that together more consistently against a tougher opponent in Mississippi State. Uh, Jaden Daniels, wow. Um, 10, of, 10 of 11, three touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, he, he just seems to be, again, seems to be getting better and better and more comfortable and more confident, and I think the offensive coaching staff is starting to figure out, okay, this is what we can do for him and if we do that for him, he can do this for all of us. Yeah, there's there's absolutely a give and take there going on with 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 Jaden. I think they 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 found some efficiency in terms of what they what they can do with him. Um, you know, I thought one of the biggest signs of growth really from the whole offense was 
um, you know, later in that first quarter when, you know, LSU was driving down the field, no problem. But uh, there was some pressure on one of those plays down in the red zone and Jaden Daniels was able to escape. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really the whole time we had seen him, he would be escaping and being able to score or get a first down with his legs. But instead he escapes the pocket looks downfield, keeps his head up, and he hits Jack Besh for a 17-yard touchdown. I thought that was the kind of play that LSU wanted to see from him. Um, He did a really great job there of just reading the defense, and uh, he delivered a really great throw because he was also kind of going the opposite direction. Right. Kind of really squeezed it in there. So that's the kind of growth you wanted to see from him uh, from week one to week two, and now he's just got to be able to do it against, uh, obviously, some stiffer competition. And now you play against a team in Mississippi State where I think Brian Kelly mentioned the fact that the offense and the defense have to be in unison. You can't get many three and outs offensively uh, and give Mississippi State that many more possessions. So still a concern to me. You tell me your thoughts. LSU's running game, mm, I'm I'm still not sold on it. Maybe John Emery Jr. comes in and, and you know saves the day. I don't know. I think they've got to run the football better, particularly in a game that's coming up against the opponent you have to play. Yeah, they've they've got to be more balanced this weekend. I think that's pretty much a given. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting because that was the big takeaway that I took away from Kelly today was um, just the fact that LSU needs to have its offense and its defense in locked unison this week because. Um, Look, Mississippi State's going to go out there and they're going to throw it a ton. They're going to throw it 50, 60 times against LSU's secondary. And LSU's going to need some of that time to breathe. You know, they they, they can't be hopping back on the field after a quick series from the offense or it could be a really long day. So uh, I I do think that you need to have some establishment of the run game early. You know, Mississippi State plays a a little bit different defensive style. They play a 3-3-5 where they drop some guys back. Uh, in coverage, which is going to make it a little bit more difficult on the on the spread offense, on the passing game. So mm-hmm. what you want to see out of that situation is obviously LSU take advantage uh, with the run game and, and getting those running backs involved early uh, to, to make to make Mississippi State uh, really have to shift coverage. And, you know, having those long extended drives, I think, is going to be really, really important for this offense to really give the defense as much of a, a breather as they can throughout the game. It was a one-score difference, Mississippi State at Arizona. The Bulldogs scored 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win going away 39-17. To your point, Will Rogers, 39 of 49, throwing the football, 313 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. So uh, they're going to throw. We've seen it, it wasn't very long ago that Mississippi State came in to, and just destroyed LSU destroyed them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you got to be calculated there because, you know, the, the two years ago, you're absolutely right. They came in and threw for over 600 yards against LSU. Um, last year, I think the secondary held up well, but look, none of those guys are here anymore. Yep. You know, like yep. you, you've got a brand new secondary here that hasn't really been tested all that much. I, you know, I thought the cornerbacks held up well. Uh, for the most part against Florida State, there were some communication issues with the safeties um, that LSU really wanted to address. And so they've actually kicked Greg Brooks back from the nickel uh, to a safety spot, and they've moved Jay Ward up to the nickel spot. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's done a really, uh, you know, kind of wonders in terms of their communication in the secondary. Um, they feel comfortable with that move moving forward as well. So, 
um, yeah, it's going to be huge for the secondary. I mean, they, they're expecting seven banks back. You know, Brian Kelly described it to us today as kind of all hands on deck in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, having the cornerbacks and the safeties available. And uh, I think they're going to need all of them. I think seven banks is looking like he's going to make his debut this week as well. So uh, they're going to need all those guys to play and play well. They need Ojalari. They need Alan yeah. Gay. They need, they need to put pressure on Will Rogers. That makes your secondary all the better. Um, I don't remember him being that elusive of a quarterback, but he kind of manipulates the pocket a little bit to, to bide some time. So, so we shall see, um, Brian C- Kelly with a little mea Cooper with the, the advocate with the coming in with a $10 bill. What's that all about? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you saw last week, it was kind of a extension of what happened last week. You know, there was some, a little bit of friendly banter that got right. taken out of context right. you know, by the national media. It's something that's going to happen, but uh, you know, everybody's in good spirits and you know, I think everyone wants to see kind of what this team is made of uh, on the SEC stage. He also came out and kind of fell on a sword of his, of his own saying, I think I got into these players heads. So I was, we, we used to call it um, paralysis by analysis. I mean, you can only give players so much in their mind. They got to be free to play loose and to go and and react rather than think and then go make a play. If you do that, you're lost. So I think instinctively, uh, this team was a lot better. They just they just went and played ball. Yeah, no, I think so. They, and, and look, you they wanted the biggest thing we wanted to see out of LSU last weekend was just execution uh, and playing with some urgency. You know, they came out very sluggish against Florida State, and it was just not the kind of brand of football that we had been kind of preached to, you know, throughout the entire offseason. We thought this was going to be a pretty disciplined team. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys that were, you know, maybe not going to make the play every time, but we're going to execute the play with the right way. And we just didn't see that a whole lot against Florida State. And I thought we saw it and uh, it, it was much better against Southern. Um, but you have to, I mean, this is going to be the big test. You got to be able to do it against an SEC foe, um, you know, in your building you know, you come in as two point underdogs, you know, that, that line could certainly raise by the end of the week. Um, uh, I think it's probably the first time since before saving LSU hadn't been favored at home against Mississippi State. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's, that's right. uh, it's just it's it's just uh, where where they're at right now. And I think there's really no idea week to week of what you're going to get from this team. Um, that can be you know both a good thing and a bad thing. But I, I, I do expect uh, LSU to be a lot more disciplined. And I think. You know, if the secondary is able to hold up and be and, and the offense is able to get into some long, drawn-out mm-hmm. drives, LSU's going to put themselves in a position to win this game. Thanks for the update on the being the underdog in Tiger Stadium against Mississippi State, because I couldn't recall ever. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for the heads up on that. Um, for those that weren't there or didn't see or didn't hear, what was it like on campus? Um, what, what, what was the scene? What was it all like? So uh, we... Uh, I made the calculated decision since I only live about a mile off campus to walk to the game. And it was probably the best decision I've ever made in my life. Um, (laughs) We had a a reporter that works for us who texted me probably three hours before the game that he was on his way. He lives about 20 minutes away and he didn't show up until about 30 minutes before kickoff. And so uh, the traffic was absolutely hellacious um, from everybody (laughs) that was there. Okay. Uh, everyone that you know was in the media was in the press box could attest um and it was just absolute madness on campus i mean it was just a really fun environment 
Uh, you had Southern and LSU fans going back and forth and uh, great. Know, lots, lots, lots of busyness and craziness on campus. And it extended into halftime. You had a halftime show uh, where LSU's band and Southern's band kind of did a little, uh, you know, combo uh, concert at halftime was really amazing. If you haven't had the chance to check out that video, go watch it there. I mean, pretty much every news station and reporter that had a phone was recording it and posting it. So awesome. uh, you'll be able to find some good clips of it. And it was just a really fun environment. I think they, they should do it again. Um, and, and, and we'll see when that happens. They did the two, two, five area code with a big yeah. heart and yeah. uh, that, it's that really was well pretty, done all yeah, around. Pretty well great, done. We'll see. Night. Cause I think the sec is going to make teams play, uh, play, play nine, conference games uh but i do believe lsu will keep doing the in-state games like that um and so so we shall see we shall see all right so sum it all up uh kind of exactly what the doctor ordered and to that point no one that i know of got hurt so you come out of the game unscathed you correct some things your confidence should be good uh yep. but they got to have a good week of practice yep absolutely you know i think they're going to get bj ojaleri back that was kind of the plan heading into the game was that they would get him back, uh, kind of hold him out as a precautionary method after getting yeah. a little bit banged up. So uh, should have him should should have seven banks, the cornerback ready. Uh, there's going to be uh, all like like I said, the big the, one of the big things I took away from today was all hands on deck. They're going to need everybody healthy, everybody available and everybody putting in the effort and the work to, to really be prepared and approach this game uh, with the care that it should, because. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, is no joke this year. I mean, no. they have uh, some really uh, explosive offensive potential, and LSU's going to have to be ready on both sides of the ball. Glenn, you're the best, man. Thank you so very much for your time, as always. Mondays are a lot better with you, buddy. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jordy. All right. All right. That, uh, Glenn West from Go247 Sports. It's another two-for-one deal. Two-for from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, you can get a $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for just $20. That's a $40 deal for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get you a $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for only 20 bucks. Back to wrap up our number one, the Jordy Helpert Show in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, week one of the NFL gets uh, wrapped up tonight with the Broncos and the Seahawks, and then you can get ready for week two of Thursday night football. Get ready with touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. If your team leaves by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only from DraftKings. Uh, Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner 
of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonuses issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensing partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. So we covered the Saints. What a thrilling win that was. Woo! We covered the Tigers. Um, did what they had to do, blew out Southern early, got everybody in the game. Walker Howard got in there. Everybody played. Nobody got hurt. And now league play begins. And now when serious business comes to town, it's a 5 o'clock kickoff in Tiger Stadium, Mississippi State coming to town. It'll be a pack to the rafters house for that one for sure. Coming up in hour number two, the Cajuns improved to 2-0. The nation's longest winning streak. We'll recap that. Ooh, rough day for the Cowboys of McNeese at Rice. So we'll have all those stories and much, much more here on the Jordy Helpert Show. Hour number two straight ahead as we um, come to you uh, from the studios of Delta Media and KLWB and 1041 in Lake Charles. Hour number two straight ahead, the Jordy Helpert Show right here. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros and everything else out there in the world of sports. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Uh, welcome. Hour number two of two, and away we go on a Monday, September 12th, the year 2022, a day after the Saints' um, resounding fourth-quarter comeback to beat the Atlanta Falcons 27-26, two days since the Tigers mauled Southern 65-17, to and two days since lightning delay lit a fuse under the raging Cajuns and their comeback to a 49-21 win um, over Eastern Michigan to extend the nation's longest active win streak to 15 games. What happened? What turned it all around? Well, Corey Diaz is kind enough to join us to tell us all about it as he covers the Cajuns for the Daily Advertiser and the USA Network. Corey, good afternoon, buddy. Thank you for your time, man. How are you? Good afternoon, my man. Everything's going well. How are things with you guys? Everything is terrific. Um, I don't know, but thank goodness for Eric Garrar, right? Because he, he seems to be the guy that uh, that wakes UL up from their doldrums week after week. Yeah, and and look, when you got a guy like Eric Garrar, right, um, starting, you know, cornerback, you know, who is a – you know, certainly an all-conference guy. You know, at his at his position on defense, and and will probably threaten um, to be an All-American come seasons in this year um, as a senior. And you know, but he also has the ability. You know, as we've seen the first two weeks, he has the ability to affect the game. You know, as a punt returner. Um, in fact, I think. You know, right now, uh, and obviously, some of this right might be due to um, you know kind of how some NFL teams may be you know, evaluating him because of his size. Um, you know, he's 
five ten guy, you know, playing the cornerback. You know, obviously in the league they want you to be at least six, but there's been some guys, of course, that have bucked that trend. But I mean, his 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 way into the league might be returning punts and returning kicks. He's he's done this, uh, you know, obviously well before you know this season started, but. You know, he obviously had the 83-yard punt return for a touchdown against Southeastern, which I believe at the time the score was, I think, 10 to nothing, uh, Louisiana, and there was just a few yeah. minutes left before halftime. And, and um, you know, this past week against Eastern Michigan, for all intents and purposes, Jordan, I think you'll agree with this, the offense for the Cajuns was basically non-existent. Yeah. Um, and, and Eric filled the punt and, and, you know, he was probably a half step away from taking another one back to the house. And, um, he set, he set, um, UL up in, in its best, you know, starting field position of the game, uh, far and away the best. And, and, uh, you know, I think it was two plays later. Um, I think Louisiana scored, you know, and they were obviously off and running from there. They scored on the next six possessions after that. And so, Eric seems to kind of be that spark plug, man. And, and um, you know, he's a guy that I think this team feeds off of, um, not only not only in that punt returning, uh, you know, special teams position, but I think he also, um, I think he's kind of the lifeblood, you know, for this, um, for this Louisiana defense as well at the cornerback spot. So um, he's a, he's a special one, man. And it's been, you know, as I've only covered two of his games so far, you know, mm-hmm. as a raging Cajun, but it's, it's, just for me personally, it's been a pleasure so far watching him do his thing. What did uh, Coach Des have to say about um, such a slow start where they couldn't get anything going? They tried both quarterback, they tried everything, and nothing seemed to work. Yeah, you know, the, you know, there was, you know, there's some mention of, um, you know, Eastern Michigan um, doing a couple of things, you know, with their linebackers and and you know, in run gaps and. Um, you know, and in pass coverage when they would drop back kind of some different disguises that they hadn't seen um, from EMU on film before the game. But, you know, obviously this early in the year, you know, you're playing these teams who only have one or maybe two games of film uh, that you're able to to watch and see kind of what they do. You're going to run into that sort of thing. So he obviously wasn't making any excuses about that. I mean, quite simply, Jordy, it was, it was just a lack of execution. And, and again, you know, the, I mean, when you have – of course, we hadn't gotten the official count because the the official stats kind of got messed up, you know, due to that lightning delay the other right. night. But I'm I'm pretty sure um, the Cajuns had, I think, eleven penalties in the first half, um, and I think I think half of those, you know, five or six of those were on the offense side of the ball. You know, and some of those were pre-snap penalties, like your false starts and and your uh, illegal substitutions that you know really m- put you behind the chains and. And I think right now, you know, Jordy, this is an offense, obviously, with Chandler Fields. You know, he last, you know, this past weekend was only his second career start at quarterback. Right. You've got some guys along the offensive line who have played some games that haven't really been starters up to this point in their career. You know, you, you've got some growing pains that are happening. And then when you, when you set an offense like that, that's going through those growing pains behind the chains with, with down and distances, you know, you're, you're going to find yourself in situations where, you don't want to do some things, and and you know that's kind of where the offense was in the first half against Eastern Michigan. And, and obviously, credit to the Eagles, they I think their defensive game plan coming out the gate was was a really good one. Um, but you got to credit Des and and, and Tim Leger and and the offensive staff. They obviously took advantage of that hour and three minute long lightning delay, brought yeah. the guys together, and and uh, it was really just about 
just executing because, as I said, you know, there were no changes. You know, we didn't change any of our running game philosophy for the game. We didn't change any of our passing game philosophy for the game. It was all about catching the ball, you know, because there were some drops from, from receivers early, and it was about the quarterbacks making the right reads, and it was about the offensive line, you know, reading the right guys to block and, and the running backs hitting, hitting the right holes and not being hesitant in, in their – um, in their pursuit of getting that first down. So um, it was really just execution, man. I, I thought, gotcha. um, you know, obviously that second half is kind of, I think when you talk about efficiency for an offense, for this offense in particular, what you saw in the second half can be as good as this offense can be. But it has the, they have to start doing these things from the beginning of the game. They yeah. can't wait till <laughs> you know, yeah. they're down 14 or 21 points. And they're going to have to play the App States and the Marshals, and you saw what they did this weekend. Uh, Corey Diaz with us. Um, LSU wants to get the ball to Kayshawn Booty. The Saints want to get the ball to Michael Thomas. I got a solution for the early woes of the Raging Cajuns. Just go find your six foot five, two hundred and sixty eight pound senior named Johnny Lumpkin. That's a dude, man. Yeah, he's. Um, I-, I think. I think Johnny, man, I know he was on, he's been on a, a ton of NFL franchises, radars for quite some time now. But, you know, I, I think what he brings to this offense, um, when it gets inside the red zone, near the goal line, uh, and even, even beyond the red zone, right? I, he is, to me, he should be their primary target. If, if the offense gets to the, to the opponent's 30 yard line and in, look for Johnny. Because this guy has some of the strongest hands that I've seen in quite some time. The 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 touchdown pass that he caught uh, from Chandler Fields this past weekend against Eastern Michigan. You know he was on a drag route in the back of the end zone, and Chandler was rolling out, and he literally had one step before he was out of bounds, and, and Chandler rifled one basically to the back pylon, and to where only Johnny could catch it. And Johnny reached out, snagged that thing with his hands. It was no problem. Uh, again, you know, and I thought the, you know, the touchdown pass that he had in game one, you know, on that kind of that deep post route um, when he had a defender draped all over his back, I thought that was an impressive strong hand to catch. But I think the one he had this past weekend might have been even more impressive because there was literally no window, no error, you know, in that window that he had. And, and he just made a spectacular catch. And, I mean, this is a guy that I think, and that's kind of it, Jordy, in, in those moments so far, he's been so reliable. You know, he's been a guy that when they've looked his way, he's come down with the ball. I don't, I don't think he's dropped a pass this year so far. Yeah. And every, and I think every time he's been targeted, he's caught the ball. So, I, you know, if you're if you're in a position to score or if you need a big play, that that has to be the guy that you look to first. If you're Chandler Fields or, or Ben Woolridge when he gets into the game, uh, the the guy has just been playing lights out so far this year, and and I can only see that continuing when you talk about just the way he's able to create mismatches for himself and how Leger and the offensive guys, you know, when they can move him around, um, you know, there's, there's just plenty of opportunity for him just to continue to be a major, major weapon in this offense. Yeah. You don't have to be a road scholar to figure that one out. The, uh, the defense after, after a slow start, they kind of matched the offense. They gave up what 138 yards early, but the last three quarters, only 145. So what, what adjustments or what did they do differently uh, to turn because you know you got to get the ball back to your offense to be able to score that many points in that short amount of time, so the defense had to had to make some changes as well. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> okay, so I think it was it was 
it was a two-parter for the for the defense, right? Obviously, I, I think it was cutting down on uh, you know the mistakes with the penalties, right? You know, I think right. in the first half, Jordy, I think there were three 15-yard penalties called on the defense, um, and there were also at least two, if not three, 10-yard penalties called as well. And and those are obviously things that and you talk about shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, it doesn't get any more textbook of shooting yourself in the foot than that. Um, so obviously, I think they played a cleaner half of football, um, and really, it kind of it went back to just a few minutes into the second quarter on through the end of the game, um, and you know, not only cleaning up the penalties, but also the thing I noticed was there was a a, and of course, I asked about it in post game, and, and and neither the 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 coaches nor players, you know, said that they really tried to do anything differently. Um, they didn't change up their game plan or anything, but I just noticed something different with their, how they approached third down defense. You know, I think early on the way Eastern Michigan was able, especially that first drive to go down, you know, on that 13 play drive, 75 mm-hmm. yards, take the lead there at the beginning of the game is they converted three first, three third downs on that drive to extend, you know, that drive to get into the end zone ultimately. And so, um, you know, I think they, they disguised and they stunted a little more on third down. They were able to get more pressure on Taylor Powell, the quarterback, and that forced him to either throw the ball earlier than he would have liked to, or they got, I think, three third down sacks um, in the third and fourth quarter. Um, you know, and then also made it forced him to throw into some windows that he didn't want to throw into. So I thought their approach – uh, was just more aggressive on third down to be able to to get the get itself off of the field, and I think that really that obviously paid off, and it kept you know it kept them from really stringing together um, you know stringing together drives there in the second half, and and uh, it obviously kept them from being able to pile up yardages like they did early on too. All right, so um, fifteen consecutive wins for the Cajuns. They'll go on the road for uh, the first time, and they will. Uh, take on Rice, Rice with a uh, bounce back win. They destroyed McNeese. Um, and then you got to go to UL Monroe, who got uh, destroyed by Texas, but then came back and beat Nickel State pretty good uh, this past Saturday, 35-7. to So so we shall see. But they have to play Alabama next before they play the Cajuns. So um, I, I think, I really think the Cajuns go on the road, uh, head to Rice, head to Houston, and I think they get to 16 in a row. I just don't think Rice is very, very good. But but you got to get off to a good start. You got you can't let bad teams think they're better than they are. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, hundred percent agree with you, Jordy. And the thing about the, this 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 game this weekend at Rice, you know, uh, when UL when the team steps off the bus and they go into the stadium, they're going to be walking into a fifty thousand plus seat stadium. And, you know, you're probably going to have somewhere between maybe seven to 10,000 people in the stand. And it's going to be a situation where this, this Louisiana football team from the opening kick is going to have to find a way to generate its own energy. Right. And that's right. that I think the first two weeks story they've really struggled with. I think they've kind of looked a little flat so far this season, especially early in games. And um, they're going to have to find a way to – really dig within themselves and find that energy um, because Rice is, is obviously on paper nowhere near as talented as the Cajuns, but Correct. they are talented enough to where if you allow them to hang around, 
um, and even maybe get off to a, a slightly better start than what you get That's off. Right. Um, they're 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 good enough defensively. They've got some got some size up front along their front seven, and um, they they've been um, you know they've been able to kind of affect you know the the opposing quarterback a little bit. Um, it's it, it's paramount for UL to get off to a fast start this weekend, um, and if and if they allow Rice to sort of dictate the tempo of this game, especially early, um, you know, I, how many more times can this Cajun offense right dig itself out of a hole? You know, and and you're talking about your first road game of the year. This will be Des as the head coach, his first road game of the year. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that kind of go into all that, you know, and so. You know, you really just need to you really need to get off to a fast start this weekend and go ahead, put the aisles away and uh, you know, come back home and, and be three and and then like you said, you, you extend your nation's uh, longest active win streak to sixteen games and, and uh you can move on to ULM. Yeah. Uh real quick, what what was the attendance like before the lightning storm? Was it a good crowd? Yeah, you know, I, I think it was it was probably a little less. Um, than what we saw in the Oper for Southeastern. Obviously, maybe part of that right was um, right. You, you know you weren't playing in state traveling uh, school, right. and you're you know you're playing a team for you know a thousand plus miles away. Um, right. So the the attendance I would say was a little little less than the opener. Um, but I do think you know look we all have smartphones and we know what the weather's going to be and and uh, you know there was there was always a chance of rain you know right around before kickoff and right around kickoff so. Okay. Okay. Maybe that kept people from coming. I'm not sure. Can't speak for everyone, but um, that's right. But yeah, okay. I mean, there were certainly some, some seats in the in the stands not filled. All right, Corey. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, with the Lafayette Daily Advertiser covering the Cajuns. Gets into the road trip, heading to Houston uh, to take on Rice this coming Saturday. Thank you, Corey, very much. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, thank you, my man. Appreciate you. All right. Well, we'll talk about the Cajuns' next opponent with Jim Gazzolo, who uh, followed the McNeese State Cowboys to Rice and got beat by 42. That story, when we return, the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, you can get a $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for just $20. That's a $40 deal for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get you a $40 voucher to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for only $20. A tough weekend for uh, McNeese as they traveled to Houston to take on Rice, and they came up on the short end of the stick, 52-10 to Uh, was the final score was 31 to zip at the half and rice never looked back. Jim Gazzolo covers the Cowboys for um, the American press. He said, it's going to be a short segment, Jordan, because there's not much to talk about, but Jim, let's talk about it. Is it, is it as simple to say three fumbles lost and two interceptions, five turnovers for McNeese, no turnovers for rice. Does that kind of sum it all up? Uh, That's just a start. (laughs) That's just the beginning. <laughs> okay. Tell me you more. Fumble, you, fumble, you fumble the first play from scrimmage when you can't get the exchange from uh, quarterback to running back right. And right. then you uh, – defense played well early. They hold them to no – they actually lose two yards, have to kick a field goal. So it's 3 nothing. Right. Then there's a three and out, and then there's a 13-yard punt. Mm. And uh, – mm. Fight's over. <laughs> mm. 
Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Uh, it seems to me Deonta McMahon needed to get the ball a little bit more than five carries. He had 101 yards, 20.2 yards a pop. How come he didn't get the ball more? Well, the situations, when you're down 31 nothing, situations get away from yeah. you in the second half. Um, here's the problem. They're 3-20 and 20 on third down. Ooh. Ooh. That's 3-20. and 20. Ooh. Uh, That's 15%. Yeah. So you're not going to hear, and that leads to your defense is now on the field for 80 plays at Montana State. 81 plays against Rice, it wears down. Yeah, uh, you you get you're down 10 nothing because you've given away 10 points with a bad punt and a fumble. You run all the ways down the field, so you actually are tied with with total yards at one point. You throw a pick six that goes 91 yards, and now it's 17 nothing, mm-hmm. and it, it's over. It's just uh, it was a horrifying evening. <laughs> Boy, Jim, I, 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 we got to get some good news. Alcorn's coming to, to McNeese, to Lake Charles, so that ought to be a good opportunity. If this coach, Coach Goff, can keep this team and get their uh, confidence back in some way, shape, or form, I, that's got to be the biggest challenge this week. I think when the thing that he always is concerned about, and he's really concerned about it, is when things go bad, do they revert to the back? mentality of victimization because that's what we had here for two and a half three years of woe is us with yeah. the pandemic with the rpi with the hurricanes nothing's going right for us does the group that stayed do they buy into the new attitude or do they fall back to well it's just mcneese and we're doomed right. we've been cursed uh mental- i didn't see that they haven't quit i'll give them that card okay. they haven't quit but they just you got to get better quarterback play. Your quarterbacks are, are a ridiculous 9 for 21 for 91 yards and two yeah. picks. They have set four interceptions in two games. Uh, there's no continuity and rhythm on the offense. A couple of big plays, and they got speed, but nothing where they sustain drives, and they've given up 10 sacks. Ugh, that's, that's tough on any quarterback. Um, and they played both of them, Kadem and Ransom. Uh, but still, they had a third, I mean, they'd play a third, I'm sure, by now. Yeah. <laughs> you see the two quarterbacks, which, which I know they're, they've had a tough go to start off with, but which one do you think gives this team the best opportunity? Who has that moxie about them and that ability to, to make some plays if, if either one of them do? Do you, do you see that in one of them? Quite frankly, at this point, if we had – uh, Monty Hall and let's make a deal. They'd be looking at door number three. Um, yeah. But it, it's, I don't see either one taking charge of the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see kind of the, look, they, they have, they've had three Mason Pierce wide opens in the slot with no safety in back walk in touchdowns this mm-hmm. year. They had one against Rice when it was still a competitive game and they misfired by a wide margin on an open receiver with nobody covering him at least three times. So those are points you don't get back. It's just, it's almost, I think they can run the football. They've run the football pretty well this year, but they've got to get in situations where they're not third and nine. They've got to find ways to be ahead of the chains and be a methodical offense and open up from 
open up once you've established the run, not come out throwing. It's never a good stat line. I mentioned the five turnovers, the, the, the three fumbles and the two interceptions, and it uh, is only accentuated when you look at the punt return stat. They didn't have to punt, did Rice. There's not, not one punt all night. Uh, no, that's uh, <laughs> never, a, <laughs> never a good sign. Um, <laughs> I will say this, though. Uh, Jody, you got to remember where we're coming from here. I do. We threw a Mardi Gras parade the other day because we're five for five on kicks made this year. There you go. Two field goals and three extra points. It's a that's a Mardi Gras here. I hear you, brother. It's uh, I mean, Alcorn <laughs> State's a winnable game, but he's but again, can this coaching staff get that team out of that mentality that they may have fallen back to during the Rice game? Can they get them back to believing? Hey, we're better than what we we can play better than we have. We are better than we, what we've shown, and we just got to put it together. That's the key. Yeah, I think that is, and and I think that they get a big boost by being home for the first time, yeah. going back. And there's a big celebration happening because the lights are back up, and they'll be playing night football for the first time. Nice. Since 2019, they're going back to seven o'clock kickoffs for the first time since 2014. Nice. There's a lot of celebration. A lot of a lot of the historic pregame stuff will be brought back. But I also you say that that I'm sure Elkhorn at 0 and 2 is looking at this game and saying, "Hey, we think this is a winnable." Game. Oh, no doubt. So no doubt. You better no play point. well, or you're looking at walking into Mississippi College and uh, being 0 and 3. You can't have that. I, I wrote no. this, and this is this is the this is, I really believe this. They played two very good halves of football against very good teams. And, and they've been competitive. They've played yep. two halves of football and I, I, that I don't think could beat Mississippi College right now. That's how mm. bad they were in those two halves. So you have, mm. what are we going to see? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I hope we get some energy in the building so that they have something. But if not, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to get ugly. <laughs> Your your morbid text really took the wind out of myself. I was like, man, I was looking forward to it. It's going to be a short segment. <laughs> Nothing much to talk about. So with that in mind, I'll let you go because I think we covered it all. It's all about the mind over the matter now. It, it's all yeah. about the mind. Hey, if they can get their minds right, um, and maybe the home crowd will lift them up a little bit, but they got to do something for the home crowd. And if they do that, they I think they'll be fine. they got to do some decent solid quarterback play because I think everybody else has played okay and as expected, but the quarterback play has been very disappointing. I've been doing this a long time. I've never once heard the reference. If there were, uh, if Monty Hall was here, they'd be looking for door number three. That's classic. That is classic. I'm sorry. Jim, thank you. I love it. I love it. Thank you, buddy. Have a good week. All right. You too, Jordan. Jim Gazzolo of the American press with us. Are you ready for week two of Thursday night football? Well, we got Monday night tonight, Broncos, Seahawks, and you can, uh, you can get involved with that one. And then Thursday night football, um, bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on L.A. or Kansas City to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem call 1-877-770-STOP. The Astros are wearing their uh, powder blue unis tonight. It's their home alternate uniforms. How about that? And by the way, time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Astros live in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa Bay Saturday, October 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark, hotel accommodations that Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend giveaway of the regular season. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston, downtown in the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. More Tiger Talk with Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast, after this timeout on the Jordy Hulpert Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Fighting Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back as Varsho, looking up. See you later! Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right, welcome back. It's time to talk about the Tigers again as they um, improve to 1-1 one and one with a 65-17 uh, win over Southern. Now I think everyone will admit their toughest test to date uh, Mississippi State comes to town, SEC opener. The Bulldogs are a two to three point favorite in the ball game. I again, not before, not until, uh, not when Saban came and throughout has Mississippi State ever been favored in Tiger Stadium. From the Are You Serious podcast to break it all down, Blake Rafino. What's happening, Blake? How are you, buddy? Doing good, Jordy. I think it should tell LSU fans just how serious this game is, and it's not going to be a walk in the park. Oh, heck to the no. It was two years ago, didn't uh, uh, Bo Pelini got, got shattered by Mississippi State? I think they threw for some NCAA record, like two miles against LSU. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Brian Kelly broke it down perfectly today, Jordy, when he talked about, you know, if, if, you're, if you play the same defense, if you – do the same things, you play the same zone, zone coverages, you're going to get beat. And I don't think that that was a shot at Coach O. I think he was just saying simplistically, yeah. you know, and he referred it to, you know, obviously the triple option, which really it's the reverse, right? I mean, it, it really is. You run four four plays to six, and, and that's how you do it. But, Jordy, I think the biggest thing so far with Mississippi State it's how often that they run the football and they ran the football in the first half. Uh, they're more they're more balanced than people give them credit for. No doubt. Um, which, you know, which I think should scare some people um, right now. Yeah, I don't know much about Arizona, but Mississippi State's defense held them to like forty yards rushing, um, less than two yards a pop. So uh, that tells me a little bit as well. Let, let's go back to LSU and I, I, look. We take it with a grain of salt, but. 
you're an offensive line guy. Um, LSU made some changes on the line, and I'll go through it again. Charles Turner moved to center. Garrett Dellinger moved from center to left guard. Miles Frazier moved to right tackle. Um, and uh, so that was Bradford stayed in his spot, and uh, the freshman stayed at his spot. So when you saw that, um, how how it's it, you know, how did they look in unison? How was the communication? Just how did they look with this new look uh, offensive line? I thought they looked okay. Um, I, I think the running backs have to hit the hole faster. I think they got to be quicker. Um, I, I think they did fine. I think they're just going with athleticism now, Jordy. I, yeah. I think it comes okay. to a point where they feel as if, you know, like, look, in any situation, Jane Daniels can get outside the pocket and make something happen. So for that for that reason alone, I think that they just put their most athletic guys out there and say, hey, go and do some things. I think Anthony Bradford has continued to show um, that he that he just eats up blocks if he gets his yeah. hands on you. Um, and, look, we got to see Will Campbell actually playing um, – you know, free and loose. And, and Julie, I think, you know, there's some things that can be taken from this game. Uh, you know, people, you know, didn't really look at Florida State versus Duquesne, but, Jordan, when you run for 230 rushing yards, it, it's saying something. I, I think that the biggest thing that came out of this game, obviously, comes at the quarterback position, but not with Jane Daniels, but with Garrett Nussmeyer. In what way? Well, Jordy, I mean, quite honestly, it's something that I know that I've talked about and got a lot of criticism for. Uh, Jordy, you can't turn the football over the way that he no. did. That's right. right. I mean, That's I mean, why there's he's not a lot the of great things that he did. You yeah. know, uh, the pass to Malik, I mean, look, it's a good throw. But, Jordy, you can't, in this league, so as an example, if you do that against Mississippi State, Jordy, you're going to lose by 30. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, yep. you, you can't do that. So. Nope. I think that my, the point is is that Brian Kelly doesn't play favorites. You know, like this wasn't, I don't think, and at least as I saw it and had reported on it or however you want to call it, Jordan, I don't think it was as close as we made it out to be to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just think that Garrett's got to stop pressing so much and just play loose. And if he does that, I think he'll be he'll get better. Um, but I, I think that the obviously the biggest thing is is that we're going to ride with number five, and oh, yeah. especially no a quarterback. And if he's, you know, Jordy, if he's not out there, he's then – good. And look, <laughs> I, I don't mean this in the wrong way, Jordy. I would seriously consider getting Walker Howard some some reps. I, I, I seriously mean that. Because if you get in a situation where number five goes down, you're going to be playing both of them, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, that's got, just – You I got think that, that chance against New Mexico – coming up here in a couple of weeks so you've got that chance i thought it was um thought it was smart that they got uh the ball to Kayshawn booty early and often to keep his mind in the game you know those wide receivers man the longer they go without the ball they start to soak they start to pout but they targeted him five times he caught all five um he had a 41 yard uh rush on a reverse so you got to keep you got to keep that kid happy and he, he's like a heck of a player well, Jordy, I guarantee you this. That little reverse that they ran with him 
I guarantee you that they hand the ball off to a running back and fake it with him because they just showed it on film, right? Like, mm-hmm. And they might even come back to it, right? Yeah. But, I, I mean, it, now it just gives you so many. Jordy, this is why during the West Miles era and when we talked about, oh, we're not showing them everything that we have, this is why you show everybody what you have in your playbook, right? right? Because now you have to game plan study. for it. Yeah. And so – I just like that they got him involved early, and quite honestly, Jordy, and this goes a lot to Jaden Daniels, brother. If you get open, he's going to find you at some point in the game. So you're you're like the Jack Bass touchdown. All that that's day one install, getting back to your quarterback and helping your quarterback out. And the most dangerous, and Brian Kelly's so right when he says this. The most dangerous thing about Jaden Daniels that we saw on Saturday was. It's not the fact, Jordy, that he got outside the pocket. It's that he ran to create throwing lanes and then threw the touchdown. Yep. I think yep. the old Jaden Daniels would have taken off on that play. And the, the simple fact that he sat back in the pocket, he's, he, he rolled to his left and hit Jack Bash. Jordy, it doesn't get prettier than that. No, that was, that was terrific. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge, huge fan of um, – of Jane Daniels. I think he's really, really good, and he's getting better and better as we go. But this will be the big test. This is the test on LSU's defense. Um, no ifs, ands, buts, or questions about it. Um, seven banks may return. I think that's key to this team because State's going to spread you out, and you better be able to be a good tackling team, but you better be able to cover all the guys they're sending out there, right? Yeah, and look, again, Nothing left on the table today at the press conference. This is a all hands on deck. Everybody's got to go. You know, Jordy, in, in two weeks, and, and really and truthfully, Jordy, I, you got to give the, this staff credit. Really, in six weeks, we've either gone to practice, a scrimmage, or in two games and have seen something different. For example, you have Jay Ward now in the slot, Greg Brooks moves to safety. The question was asked, which I thought was a great question about Josh Sibley in reference to Greg Brooks moving back to safety. And Brian Kelly said, well, the communication got a lot better and we got lined up. Well, Jordy, if that's the case, I mean, how simple is that move? How simple could that move have been last year to some extent? Right? Like moving Jay Ward to a a safety nickel where we know that, Jordy, if if he's in coverage, he's going (laughs) to – I mean, he just had a perplexity for coming down with the football. And I think it's just a small things like that that I'm really starting to like. And really, truthfully, the loss to Florida State, for me, it's like, you know what, look, you're going to have these kind of issues in year one. And I think the simple fact that they changed some things and will change some things to win football games is why I think that this staff, just shows more and more that they know what they're doing. And I think Brian Kelly made it a very important uh, statement uh, prior to the Southern game. And, and I'm a firm believer in this. Sometimes uh, we would call it uh, paralysis by analysis. By mm-hmm. You can only give players so much. It's got to be a game of reaction and instinct. And if they're thinking, 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 they're a step behind and they're lost. And I think Brian Kelly learned, a, you're never too old to learn a lesson, right? I mean, you're just never too low, old. So I think Brian Kelly learned that lesson. And maybe, maybe because it was Southern, no offense to the Jaguar brethren, but 
Uh, LSU could have won that game with their eyes closed. But hopefully he will take that same approach and not just overwhelm these players with information, information, because they don't they don't absorb all that. There's the ball. Go get it. You know? Well, well and I think that that's the biggest thing that you can take away, too. Jordan, I mean, how many times have we seen an LSU team come out with a lack of urgency? Yeah. You know, like last week's all last week's preach and talking to coaches and talking to players was the sense of urgency. And, Jordan, there's been so many times in these type of games that we've taken a step back and we haven't progressed from week to week, right? Like, you know, right. even in 19, you're down, you're down what, 7 nothing, 4 or 10 nothing to Northwestern State. So I think that that's a big key that you can go out there, make an adjustment, and play with a sense of urgency. And, and Jordan, you know what's even crazier about that is, you know, you had a problem with special teams. Well, then you go out there and you make two special teams. Yep. Uh, you know, plays one for a touchdown, one for a safety, yeah. and obviously the fumble on the opening kickoff. That's yeah. how, Jordy. That is how great coach teams react to a loss. And you know, and, and I don't. This isn't a shot no. at me trying to go at Notre Dame, but Jordy, you see the opposite at Notre Dame, right? That mm-hmm. the opposite is happening. So, where Brian Kelly comes here and things like that change, now you see elsewhere when he leaves how things aren't changing. That goes to show you the signs of a, of a really good staff. And, look, they got a huge test this week. they got to go out there and prove it again. But like you mentioned earlier, all hands on or, – or Brian Kelly mentioned, all hands on deck this week. You can't – you can't – you know. And this is – Jordy, do you still – and I'm, I know this is your show, and I'm sorry for asking you quite a question. But no, I, I mean, do, Don't you feel like this is a little bit of a revenge, a revenge game too? You know, like – yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'd be playing that game, that 2020 game. I'd be playing it around the facility oh, all week. Oh, got, got slaughtered. Look, let me tell you who's key in this thing. I, I talk about the secondary and all, and that's true. But, man, it is time for B.J. Ogilari and Ali Gay to earn their NIL money. It's time. They got to get after this quarterback and make life miserable for them so, to help that secondary where they don't have to cover people for so long and across the field with all those crossing patterns and those pick plays. They better put some pressure on Will Rogers or, man, he was 39 for 49 against Arizona. Uh, it's going to be the same kind of night. Well, and, and you know, now here's another thing. What do you do on third down now that you've seen Harold Perkins as a ball player? <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, Jordan, he led the team in tackles. He was all over the field. He, I mean, he tackled well. He covered right. really, really well. What do you do with him now? I, yeah. I think that, that if I'm on the Mississippi State staff, I'm like, okay, well, you have two different defenses in two different weeks. What's Matt House going to come out with us now? Because yeah. really and truthfully, Jordan, in the second half of even of Florida State, I mean, you've got multiple stops in that game. And the muff punch makes you look past that. That's right. And Jordy, That's every right. single time, every single time, they did something different schematically that put them in the position to get off the field on third down. Now the problem was either they didn't make the tackle, or you know, it, it wasn't that they were getting out schemed or out coached. The, the truth was is that they were they just didn't execute. Well, obviously That's they right. executed this week, but Jordy, I, I'm telling you, I, and, and I've talked to a lot of coaches, and you know. I've been around a lot of them, and, and you as well. The one thing that they hate the most is not knowing what to expect. And I think oh, for God. State, that yeah. could be a little bit a little bit of their issue. 
Drives him crazy. Not only would I play that uh, that game on a clip round and round, and I would put in everybody's locker, state is favored in our house. I would put that on a piece of paper in everybody's locker and let them dwell on that all day long. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast, man. You can ask me a question anytime. Thank you for your time, buddy. Have a good day. Thanks. Thanks, Jordy. See you all next right. week. Good times. All right. We will be back to wrap it all up here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. Stay with us. DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility at dra- and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensing partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem call 1-877-770-STOP. Special thanks to our guest today, Chris Roseville-Glue on the Saints. Scintillating 27-26 win over the Falcons. Glenn West with the Tigers' slaughter of Southern and looking ahead to Mississippi State. Corey Diaz, the Cajuns, a second-half rally to beat Eastern Michigan 49-12. to Jim Gazzolo, it's all not that bad for McNeese. Yes, they got beat by Rice 52-10, to but they've got Alcorn coming in, battle of two, un, uh, of two winless teams, so we'll see where that goes. Tomorrow, Saints News Network's Bob Rose, More on the SEC, more on LSU and all the teams. James, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners. Make it possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another, and let's be happy. So long, everybody.